0: Let's go, we on a road, the next stop. Hoot and welcome back to Canastry Chronicles Podcast. I'm as always, Brendan Ertel. Today, I'm here with Nate and Chris. We're going to be talking about this beautiful victory Monday and this uh, absolutely incredible win on Halloween. Uh, the Saints are a different breed on Halloween. Uh, most, re- af- most recently with the Steelers beating them up pretty good. But this game was something else. And before I pass this to Chris and Nate, uh, I have a little rant. And I decided to keep this to myself. Until now, I was thinking about recording a little something before, but I was like, eh, I'm not in the right state. So obviously the Saints win 36-27. They improved to five and two. But here's how I'll start out. Our quarterback, Jameis Winston, he finally gets a city that loves him. He gets a situation where it's really good for him. Gets taken down by I don't care what you call it, I don't care what Bucks fans gonna be in my DMs. That is a dirty play because it's a flack. He got him by the horse collar obviously we saw what happened ACL and a rare MCL tear as well. Uh, his season's over. And I mean, who knows moving forward, what's going to be in the cards for him? Because I mean, quarterback that it was trying to prove something this off season, who knows? So that's already frustrating in itself that Devin white had to do that. Now staying on topic, Devin white LSU legend. Uh, lots of, lots of saints fans obviously liked him coming out of the draft since then. I'm sorry, mom. He's a. He had more penalty yards than the Saints' top receiver. Dude had 45, negative 45 yards just by himself. He had a roughing the passer, a taunting penalty that may I remind you Mark Ingram had 12 yards on that play and you're flexing on him. Uh, what? And they obviously had the Jameis Winston personal foul. Dude had 45 yards. I mean, awful, awful play. And I had this tweet and Every single minute of the day, I'm getting a, another dumb Bucks fan in my DMs. The Antonio Winfield situation. I was super proud of the Saints in this game because I was a little nervous about the class and respect that was going to be just happening in this game. Because last week, it was crazy with the Seahawks. And obviously, the Bucs, you know, Marshawn, Mike Evans, whatnot. Uh, the, I was I was really surprised. And I was honestly disappointed because the Bucs, they were classless, disrespectful, and they deserved every bit of what happened last night. And Tony Winfield going to the camera, eating the W, that's bullshit, dude. That's bullshit. I mean, I know last year Tyree Kelly did the little peace sign to him in the Super Bowl. Yeah, it was pretty cool. This is a whole different situation. Your buddy that was used to be that team's franchise quarterback just had a career-altering injury, and you're mocking him. May I remind you, that pick didn't even stand because your bonehead D-end did something stupid out of anger. So that play didn't even count. And every single mention I see with a Bucs fan is the refs blew the Buccaneers. You hurt yourself. It's time to look in the mirror. The facts of this game, Tom Brady lost to Trevor Simeon. Whether you like it or not, he lost to Trevor Simeon. I get Tom Brady is the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time. Did you see Tom Brady shake anyone's hand after that game? No, he did not. He got beat by Trevor Seaman. He can't lose. He doesn't know how to lose. Tampa fans you know, look in the mirror. And uh, we're eating W's today. I pass it on to one of you guys.
1: The first non-sarcastic eat a W I think we've had in quite a while. I, it, honestly, I, I, I think you wrapped it up. It's hard for me, you know, as an LSU guy. You guys know it. To, to not like Devin white, but I, I really do agree. I think I'm at that point. I think he's adopted Tampa a little bit more since being drafted, which, you know, in all fairness, that that's cool. Do what you want, but just there are things he probably could have stepped in on. Like, you know, like, Hey, let's not be assholes. You know, it, it's a game. It's intense, but it's a game. Uh, and celebrating down players, never a good thing. You know, it, it's, it's just not it, If Tom Brady had gone down, Can you imagine the uproar? Like it would have been monumental. I have really recently, I will admit, started to love Tom Brady because of you know the appearances on broadcast. He's starting to like actually not seem like an Elon Musk robot. Like he seems like a person now. Uh, But after this game, you know, you take some shots at that. I'm just kind of like, just the epitome of a sore loser, the epitome of a spoiled brat. Um, He went to Michigan, so for me being from Illinois, that's no shocker for me, but. It, it, it was just an ugly game. The Bucks deserved it. Uh, it's just like, even from the start, we knew it was going to be kind of like a, like a bullshit fest with Gronk being out for the, that time. And then them rushing him back from what does sound like it was a significant injury, uh, that he's almost 40 years old. Uh, not that that's old in regular terms, but in the NFL, that that's a, that's kind of a statue of a man and what used to be Gronkowski. And then he gets hurt like right into the game. Uh, it, they really came out with this motivation that it's our time to, you know, like screw these guys up. Like this is our time to really kind of get one over on New Orleans. You could see it from the way they hit players, from the way they finished through plays. This team had dirty, not, maybe not even dirty intentions, but hard hitting, bad mouthed intentions coming out. They had an image in their head. Um, and you know what? The game of football usually rewards teams that deserve to be rewarded. The Saints fought through everything. Trevor Simeon came out and played a heck of a game as a game manager. Mark Ingram made an immediate impact. The defense stood tall. Uh, they struggled for a minute, but at the end, when it counted, it was PJ Williams, the much befuddled son of New Orleans, you know, the last couple of years that comes through and pick six is the goat to ice it. It's just something you just can't write stuff like that. It's gonna be one of those games that we watch in 10 years and just smile about, even with the Winston loss, which you know, prayers up for our guy, but it, they deserved every ounce of it. I think you hit the nail on the head and the, I can't say it any better. I really can't.
2: So, you know, uh, one of the things that I, that what both of you guys mentioned kind of came to mind for me is um, just, you know, the history and of this, these two franchises. And, you know, I want to say m- more so dating back three, four years, um, you know, going back to James's last year, like, some of these guys on this team have been losing to the Saints for a long fucking time. Right. And some of these and a bunch of these guys were brought in to help beat the Saints, right? That was that was part of you know the reason in which they were they were brought in, whether they were drafted. Um and look, right? You run into a team that, yeah, you beat them in the playoffs, but Devin White, even after the Super Bowl, you know, mentions you know, yo, man, you know, we beat, you know, a really good team you know, in New Orleans, you know, if you know, the Saints probably win the Super Bowl if we don't beat them. I, You know, I feel like there was still a weird taste in their mouth even after winning that game. They felt like they wanted to do more. They were happy to win the game, but they don't felt like, but they didn't seem to feel satisfied with that, even, even if it was done in the Super Bowl, right? I'm sorry, in, in the NFC Championship game. I think they wanted a dominating, like a dominating type of victory, similar to what the Saints did um in the first two matchups last year in the regular season and definitely in that second matchup um the Bucs have been able I mean let's you know and since Brady has arrived let's, let's keep it a book um the Bucks have been able to humiliate people they've been able to do whatever they wanted they intimidate you know most teams as soon as they step on the field you know they have uh you know they they play teams without without identities and teams that are um don't know how they want to guard them and the Saints are one of the few teams in the league that don't fear them. And, you know, I I think it's it's tough for them to deal with. So you see a situation where they're like, okay, we get a chance to see them again. Not only do we see them, it's a full crowd. Here's our chance to really make a statement against them. Um, you know, there's a there's a bit of a, you know, I I I think uh, th- there's a word that I'm looking for that I can't that I can't put together right now, but um. They just don't seem to feel um, fulfilled even with the championship they can throw the ring they can they can they can mention the Super Bowl but you can tell how important that this type of game was to them which is why you see all the extra stuff you see the taunting you see you know you know the dirty hits you see the you know you know the the aggressiveness the trash talking all the stuff that's there you know for a team that doesn't consistently do some of those things the penalties are you know the penalties have been there for them but they don't, have to, they don't have to act this way against certain opponents. It doesn't matter. You don't see this type of thing against Chicago because they expect to beat Chicago. and They know Chicago, you know, there's a there's a level of uh, a fear at play that it just doesn't happen against New Orleans. And New Orleans is, is walking into that game without their best wide receiver. They eventually lose their quarterback um, and bring in Trevor Simeon, and you still win the game? Oh, my God. I mean, um, so – whether that's right or wrong, I mean, I think that's where a lot of that energy comes in from. It's it's, it's kind of like insecurity, I would say on their end. Um, and hey, man, you know it is, it is what it is. I mean, some teams just have your number. But you know, look, I, I football is a weird sport like that, man. People people celebrate. You know, we hear fans celebrate when certain guys go down. You know, we hear, you know, you know, uh, you know, the game has changed a lot now to where you know, an injury immediately, you know, attracts the attention of both teams to where it's, you know, it's like, yo, no matter how serious the hit was, they they want to, the, they hope the guy is okay. They're not trying to put him out the game. Um, What Winfield did was crazy. I mean, it was, you know, uh, I don't know how you could think that was a smart thing to do, you know, when a guy is clearly did something, had a really bad injury. I mean, you, you know, to where everybody, the first thought was, man, you know, did he is his season over with? Um. But yeah, I mean I you know I don't really know what to say, you know, beyond that. I Man, I don't I think Tampa wants to be, they they want a rivalry with somebody, right? And they don't have one. I mean, we don't even we we just found out that Tampa Bay has fans, right? They want they want Saints fans to have they want Saints fans to have the energy that we have against Atlanta fans. That's I, I think that's what it is.
1: Yeah, you know? that's spot on. That's and
2: spot they can't on. get it. They can't get mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't
1: yeah, think they I ever will. It's just like an incomparable thing. Like we've run the table, I think like six game win streak in the regular season now on Tampa. And before that, it was you know back and forth to a point. But we've had their number the last couple of years, and Sean Payton over his career has just had Tampa's number, you know, as a whole. And he's always had Bruce Arians' number, whether it was Bruce Arians with Tampa or another team. But it all I can say about Tampa, man, imagine being not even one of the top five cities in your state. That's where that kind of like. <laughs> entire like angry brother syndrome comes from like i mean if i'm a player i would even choose jacksonville over tampa bay and that's just facts i mean i i have a distaste for the city of tampa
0: bay (laughs) well I, i in terms of stadium advantages you go to new orleans that's a disadvantage for your opposing team you go to seattle it's opposing whatever kansas city you go to tampa bay that's not even in the cards i mean the fan noise is not even the, the freaking cannon is, is more of a disadvantage to anything because it's just so damn loud. But what I will add was uh, you mentioned Tom Brady on the Manning cast and Sean Payton always having Bruce Aarons number. Brady said, I hope they play man on me. I hope they do. Brady's two interceptions, you know what coverage they were playing? Man. He threw two interceptions in man. And that, that second interception he threw to, to, to P.J. Williams, they were in cover too high. And P.J. said, if you listen to the interview, they were waiting for that route the whole entire game. They didn't run it one time. And for some reason on that route or on that play, they ran the route. And P.J. knew exactly what he was doing. And he was free on that play. And he jumped it. And it was a dumb decision. And I posted some clip. I know Nate saw it. Uh, go check it out. It's Skip Bayless of this is what the media is trying to do. They are dismissing Brady. Tom, Trevor Simeon, whether you like it or not, he has a W this game. And Tom Brady does not. He lost to Trevor Simeon in this game. Trevor Simeon had better decisions. And uh, I look at the Trevor Simeon and Kevin White play. The announcer said, who are these guys? Exactly. You can say, oh, Tampa's weak in the secondary. They got some injuries. Look at our receivers, man. Come on. And we got Kevin White out there running routes. Dude hasn't caught a pass in three years. And it's, it's, no, it's absolutely no excuse. Yeah. It's no excuse. And I'll, I will also might add, yeah. Tom Brady has, they've been very successful and this is one of the best teams in the NFL. He has 14 turnovers with the Bucks. Eight have came against the Saints. Eight. That's a insane number. That's what, six other turnovers in his whole career there? That, that's just crazy. And I all I want is moving forward. This isn't just a fluke team and this isn't just a defensive team. This is a team that's well coached. They're very talented, and not many people give him credit for that. And honestly, from this point on, it doesn't matter if it's Trevor Simeon, Taysom Hill, Ian Book, uh, me. This team can win with whoever's that quarterback. They just need someone confident enough. But, um, man, I, I've just
2: a lot to a say in this one.
0: <laughs> no, I don't. I really don't. Because my, my Jameis Winston jersey is hanging off my wall, and I can't wear it anymore this season. I'm upset about that.
1: I think I I think it speaks to the level of competition. I'm not even gonna say rivalry because I agree. I really don't think Tampa is a rival. Atlanta, in almost every facet, the city of Atlanta and the city of New Orleans has a bigger rivalry than New Orleans and Tampa they will ever or could ever. Tom Brady could play until he's 65. I don't think that changes, and I hope he does because that would be just really crazy and super hilarious. But it it just speaks to the competition in the NFC South. We want another division championship obviously Mm -hmm. everybody does but this year would mean so much more Tampa went out and loaded up last year just to beat New Orleans clean sweeped them in the regular season unfortunate loss in the playoffs that should have gone a different way game plan execution all off was our match this year we'll see how it happens but we want that division title and I think that speaks to why there is still this nasty taste in our mouth New Orleans was disrespected last night on a personal level by the Bucs, by people from the city of New Orleans, which was kind of wild to watch, by the announcers. The only real people that didn't really disrespect the Saints last night were the officials, and that's kind of an odd taste for us too. Uh, It's just – it was a great win. It was an amazing win. And no one should be frustrated except for us in this podcast right now. Everybody else should be living their best lives and be super happy.
0: (laughs) Well, I might add is I haven't talked about Leonard Fournette yet and the shenanigans after the game. And that, that kind of shows, too, the rivalry because Leonard Fournette's from here. I mean, he obviously loves it here. He said he had 28 people at this game, so it meant a lot for him. And losing this game was tough. And uh, whether you like it or not, he fumbled in the red zone. Uh, I, I think it was a fumble. Mm-hmm. They called it a fumble on the field. But, I mean, they, they have their number, and it, they kind of – I don't know. Looking at their schedule, they haven't had the toughest schedule from here on out, and their their losses have came against good teams. And it's time to say the Saints are one of the top teams in the NFC. Doesn't matter who's at quarterback.
1: In all fairness, Fournette and Chauncey used to go at it at LSU and Florida all the time too. I will True. say, uh, CD covered Leonard a lot in college. I think that's a lot of they where that hostility that. comes from. I'm still, a big, I'm still a big Leonard Fournette guy, so I might just be jumping out to his defense, but, but I love that kind of stuff, man. That's what makes football so fun, too. I think what Chris said about football being a different sport is, like, spot
2: on with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, and listen, you know, I, you know I, even, I even mentioned, you know, when, in the last show, like, you know, when we talked about, when we talked about, you know, the keys to this game and um, going against Tampa, I was like, man, like, you know, they're, they're going to be a little bit, you know, a little bit different. Everybody's talking about how the Saints are going to, well, how are the Saints are gonna deal with Tampa? And I'm and I was like, no, like how 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 are Tampa, how are the Bucks gonna deal with New Orleans? Like, you know, how are they gonna deal with, you know, one of the better pass rushes that they face, a team that can that can rush four at them and get to Brady at times? Um, which you ended up seeing with a sack fumble and some other some other pressures that, you know, that happened into the game, some throws that Brady makes because of the pressure, you know, that first interception in particular to uh, you know, to uh CD. You know, I, I mean those. Those were the things that I was looking at. You dare, you dare him, you dare the Saints to play man. Sure, you might, you might dare them to play man when, when a, you know, when Antonio Brown is there, you know, um, when you have Antonio out there, it's a little bit, it's a little bit different because nine times out of 10, somebody's going to get open. I get that hundred percent, but without him, I mean, look, like, you know, you, there, the guy that they were, that they were targeting was going to be CD and the guy would match up. That was it. And they normally, they were able to get New Orleans on inside routes the whole game. And the Saints waited for their right opportunity to, to jump the outside route, you know, kind of like a little, you know, skinny post or an out. And it just didn't work for them. So, um, I mean, and look, like outside of that, the Saints still don't have Michael Thomas. Like, <laughs> I mean, and we don't know when, we still we still have no idea when they're, when they're going to come back. But, you know, the real story in this game is that, you know, to me, the Saints continue to do what they've been doing over the past few years and overcoming, making making instances that would seem like that could end seasons or uh, disrupt patterns or start losing streaks. They just make look regular. You know what I'm saying? And, mm-hmm. and that's, you know, that shows that that adds to, you know, a hall of fame resume that Sean already has and which is probably a coach of the year resume as well for this year. Um, and that—that's where the you know the real attention should be. I mean, they, they just uh, unfortunately a lot of national folks or a lot of opposing fans that are on other, the other side—they don't—they don't know all these things. They forget about the fact, yo, they beat the hell out of Green Bay, but they did it in Jacksonville. You know, you know they were uh, they they were they were practicing in in you know in Texas for you know for weeks, right? You know, and then you lose coach. You know, they you talk about the Carolina loss. Well, Eight coaches are missing, along with several players, including, I believe, Marshawn Lattimore wasn't in that game. Your mm-hmm. offensive line is banged up. Your star receiver, like, it's so many different things that I think because the Saints no longer have Drew Brees, that people are kind of just throwing away because most people dismiss the Saints to start the year. And now that they continue to win, and we're not talking about the same quarterback that we talked about before. It's surprising people again versus folks being latched on to the story, the headline, whatever the case is, the national the national televised games and being like, oh, you know, well, we'll wait, this is why they're losing. This is what they're, you know, up against. And there's only a few people that have been able to mention this. Shout out to Keyshawn Johnson, you know, mm-hmm. and some other folks that, that have truthfully been paying attention. You know, so, I mean, hey, man, end of the day, the bucks, the bucks got an L. And this is one of – yesterday's game was one of the best – Feelings that I've had in a regular season game, just of excitement, joy, and happiness in a very long time.
0: Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Is coach of the year should be, not even in the cards. It should be he should be the front runner. I mean, you put Trevor Simeon on. I mean, he's a good quarterback. He's a really good quarterback. I mean, he's spoken highly of him. He he listens in meetings. He's a solid little player, uh, but he's bounced around a little bit. Um, and we'll see what they do for next week. Trevor Simeon or Taysom Hill, but. How many NFL teams where you are playing the Tampa Bay Bucks, Super Bowl champ Bucs, and you're tied, and then your starting quarterback goes down, and Trevor Seeming comes in the game, and they went on this insane run with him. It was like 23-7. I mean, how many NFL teams can do that? I mean, not many, if if at all. I mean, the Saints are so well coached. Sean Payne should be coach of the year. Uh, last thing I'll say about this game, and then we can move on to a little uh, trade deadline talk, is... How awful was Troy Aikman? How bad was he? I couldn't even stand it. There were a point in the game where I just mute my TV. It, it, I'm not even being a biased Saints fan. It was just like, okay, come on. Like the P.J. Williams interception, he was legit sad. And it's just, I, I couldn't I can handle it.
1: Well, I think that was the fastest I've ever unmuted my mic to be ready to talk. <laughs> I literally rewatched the game last night. The most alarming broadcasting. As someone, and I have worked in professional broadcasting, I have broadcasted professional sports games in my career. One of the worst acts of broadcasting I have heard from the amateur to the professional level. It was a disgrace to the art. It pissed me off as a journalist and as a Saints fan, I will say. That's part of it, no doubt. You can't remove all your biases. But as a member of the community, it's a flaming issue that's wrong with journalism these days. We hire these guys because they're ex-athletes. We don't hire guys because they are as good as guys like Tony Romo is. Tony Romo, one of the best broadcasters we have. Same lineage, linear, similar experience, you know, even down to the same team. It, it was just awful. It was terrible. And I can only imagine if Buck was there, if mm-hmm. his buddy Buck was there. Oh. It would have been 10 times worse. Uh, after that game icing pick six, there was a whopping 56 seconds where neither of them spoke. There wow. is letting the moment play itself out. And then there is complete sad sound of losing and being a bad loser and being on air as a bad loser in any other level, in any other credentialized media. If you did anything to that level in the press box, you're not coming back. It was an embarrassment and it, it really made me mad. It, even if I had heard that kind of treatment about another team that I had no interest in, I would be fuming. And I think most of the NFL community has said the same exact thing. When you have verified, credentialized members of the media, no disrespect to us, but when you have these guys <laughs> like John DeShasey or all these guys saying that was the worst broadcast ever, turn on WWL, you did something really wrong. And of course, there's going to be no accountability for it because it's Fox, one of the worst networks, uh, in my opinion, but they make funny graphics. So, hey, it's all good, <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, I the thing I'll go to is the the where Trevor Seaman threw that pick, and William Golson wasn't that hard of a hit, but it was a, literally three to four seconds later, just went and just threw his shoulder on him. I mean, you're going to get a flag for that. It's just unnecessary, and it it's kind of BS. And he's like, oh, that was so – I mean, y- you heard what he said. It was just – he was trying to dismiss it. So, I mean, I'm not going to go there. Troy, uh, I think Drew Brees would have done an excellent job in that booth, and he would have been way more – Uh, neutral than Troy ever was but uh, let's move on to uh, we'll talk about the Falcons later this week but the trade deadline is tomorrow uh, in the afternoon so do the Saints make a move and if they do what position and who you guys looking at Uh, I'll start off I, I I've I've gone back and forth on this I I think they need to make a move I don't know if they will but uh I've heard lots of things about Devontae Parker and I think that would be a good fit for them. And I don't know how much it would cost. And I think he's kind of been uh thrown out of that lineup just because Jalen Waddles getting so many targets. So I think that'd be a good place to start. But I hope they're on the phones. I really hope they do. They are on the phone.
2: Um yeah, yeah, I I think it's gonna be a receiver as well. Um uh, sorry there. Um Yeah, I think it's going to be a receiver as well, man. Last week when we talked, I wasn't sure that that would be the case, Um, mainly based off the fact that you had built up so much chemistry over the offseason with Jameis, and he was just certain guys he hadn't had a chance to really play with. You needed to see what you had with your people. But now I think that whether it's Simeon or or, or whether it's Taysom is going to be starting for you, you need to provide them with as many weapons as possible because you really don't know how teams are going to eventually adjust, I think. More so if it's Simeon, Taysom. Taysom being in the lineup alone brings a different element for defenses to have to prepare for that, you know, maybe Mike and and the guys and Traquan and Deontay will be enough. But if it's Simeon, you know, you don't know as the season goes along when defenses start to get him him in his tendencies on film what's going to work with those guys with Trey you know, uh, you know, Deontay and eventually Mike, he may be in a situation where he needs more guys that can make one-on-one coverages um, look bleak along with taking apart zones. Like he may need better talent out there that you can rely on. So it may be a situation where you need to upgrade and they needed to upgrade regardless on paper, you know, but I, I understood the fact that with quiz and, and uh, with Quez, Traquan, Deontay, and Mike, you eventually wanted to see those guys on the field with Jameis, who is a who is an all-world talent by himself that has grown as a leader and a quarterback this year. With that, with, with that good old offensive line and adding to your running game with adding Mark back to go with Alvin, you could look at that and say we can win games and win playoff games with that lineup. But now, with you with with the position being up in the air, it may it may. It may it may make sense to be a little bit more aggressive on the market and go get an extra guy. The guy I'm looking at is Jarvis Landry uh, with Cleveland. I know a lot of people are looking at Odell, um, which I'm not a hundred percent against either, but I think that, I think Jarvis right now, um, for me, one of the best things that you can offer uh, a quarterback that, isn't of elite stature or you know a quarterback that's going to need to find a rhythm and the level of consistency is a security blanket at a tight end or a slot guy that can create instant openings and get you five to seven to ten yard completions to help build drives and I think already with the with the amount of coverage that Alvin will get on those angle routes and those option routes and when you use him out of the backfield you could use another guy that's able you know a quick guy that's able to get in and out of his breaks, a Lance Moore type, you know, type of slot dude. I mean, they they miss that right now, especially with the tight end position not being the receiving threat that we thought it would be. So we don't know what the chemistry like. Who who Simeon is going to have the chemistry with overall, anyway? So Jarvis is the guy I'm looking for. I know I know Odell can give you those looks inside and outside, but I think from a consistency level, a health, uh, you know, a health perspective, and where he lines up and does most of his damage at. Jarvis would be the guy that makes the most sense for me
1: yeah I definitely I agree we were talking a friend of mine earlier we were kind of talking about the situation I was just in my head I just could not get you know if you're going to and it looks like maybe the Packers are more likely to make a deal for this player than the Saints probably are but we always talk about bringing Brandon Cooks back and you know the debate earlier has been oh would you rather have OBJ come and it's you can't really say come back to the Saints but I mean it's a guy from who played for the saints and a guy who played for LSU. It's kind of one of those things. Would you rather have OBJ come back? Or would you rather have Brandon cooks come back? And, you know, in the conversation, like Chris brought up Jarvis Landry came up, but overall, in my opinion, if we're going to bring somebody like OBJ back, I would much rather have Brandon cooks back. And OBJ just scares me from a health standpoint. I, I think that's the biggest thing. And I think scheme wise, you have guys, especially when Michael Thomas comes back that are going to create openings. uh, Mark Ingram coming back we saw it make a huge impact already in that game plan he's going to free up Alvin Kamara for a lot more passing routes hopefully especially as you know Sean Payton and his his staff like to run screen plays and a lot of that kind of um, the short game but with long potential throws and especially if Simeon is the guy going forward there will be a lot more of that now on the flip side if it's Taysom there's going to be a lot more running and straight downhill running um, with him and utilizing his abilities but You know, guys that are coming onto the scene like Deontay Harris help as well. Uh, There's just certain people that they have now that I think they feel comfortable with. I wouldn't be surprised if they don't end up making a trade at all. If they do, I think it'd be wide receiver or potentially if the right tight end were available on the market for the right price. However, we've seen guys come out of the blue in the last couple of games as as well, you know. Uh, So it'll be interesting to watch and to kind of see how you know, uh, Cap God, Loomis, and Sean kind of work this out. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a quiet day. I know, especially on the defensive side, they like what they have. Uh, and with Andrews Pete going down, you know, that could have been one place, but that hole's filled already. Uh, much credit to Jeff Ireland and the draft staff. It, it works, you know, whatever is necessary. Sixth rounder, seventh rounder, they've been making it work.
0: Yeah, I, I was going to say, if, if Jameis stayed healthy, I don't think this would be... I think they'd be okay surviving, not making a deal tomorrow. Uh, I think it's more necessary just because, you know, uh, this offense isn't too reliant on big plays, but they, it is reliant on short little catches. And uh, we should have Michael Thomas back. I mean, every week I'm saying, hopefully this week. So, I, I mean, I don't know. Um, so, we'll just have to see. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the quarterback room uh, later this week. Uh, but to end this podcast, uh, you, can, you guys can play at home too. Uh, Sean Payton's talking to WWL right now. They had an interview with him. Uh, I'll ask you guys first. Who do you think is the, was going to be the emergency quarterback yesterday if Trevor Simeon went down? Who was going to come in?
2: Who was going to be the emergency quarterback? I am going to say... Uh, it's a tough one. I- that's too hard. <laughs> I don't I don't know why. I, I don't know why I feel like it's Traquin Smith. I I I I um I'm trying to think of we we know that if Willie Snead was on the team, he would have been the he would have been the emergency quarterback in the situation before. Um I don't think it was I think I, I don't think it would have been Alvin. I can't, I, I don't I, the only person I could think of is Traquan. I, I I can't I don't know of anybody on the defense off top of my head is offensive. That's the only guy I can think of.
1: I just did a little research.
0: You uh, cheated?
2: Yeah, I
1: was very curious. And actually, it didn't help because I was I was very curious. But it looks, I was seeing on other rosters if there were guys who had maybe played and snuck in at quarterback at the college level. I, I think Traequan is a good one. The most, you know, normal one, I think, in the box, full-blown wildcat package with Alvin is something. Honestly, Sean might have had a lot of fun with that. I'm not going to lie to you. Maybe not in that game. But we've seen Alvin run Wildcat before. Uh, and with Mark Ingram back, too, I feel like it's a possibility they just went with that for a little bit. I think also you could see somebody like one of the tight ends that may, like, originally have been a quarterback somewhere along the line come in and play. That's tough, though. That's tough. tough, especially with this roster. You just never thought you would need that. Because mm-hmm. now I, I'm assuming it'll be Ian Book that steps into the roster and James' place on the IR. Um, so
0: I'll get, I'll give you this, the, for the bucks it is Cameron Bray because he used to play quarterback. So there you go with the tight end, but Sean did say it was going to be Camara because he does know the offense very well. He said, and if you recall, he has thrown passes in this offense before. So I don't know if he would have seen, uh, uh, many passes from him, but I I guess he had the confidence in him if if it had to be done. So Camara's emergency quarterback, and he did run a, a wildcat play that. Wasn't too successful but uh, that would have been
1: reminiscent of the Denver Broncos last year oh
0: yeah I wouldn't have enjoyed that I I like it all yeah talk about getting Kamara hit too much but uh, we got Marky Mark back so we're chilling Uh, (laughs) but that'll end today's podcast Uh, amazing victory Monday Uh, we're going to go back and relax and we'll talk about the Atlanta Falcons uh, and hopefully uh, some good injury news in the coming days but uh, we appreciate you guys for tuning in. We'll see you guys Thursday. Uh, enjoy this win, and thanks for watching. Who dat? Hey, who dat? Who dat?
2: Who dat? Who, side, side. who dat? Who
1: dat?
0: Let's go. Let's. We on a road. The next stop.